The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show. I'm joined this week by a couple empty chairs, but also, more importantly, Jenna Garcia. Hey, good to be back. Hey, Jenna. Thanks so much for being here. Um, if you're wondering, a lot of The Office is out this week. A lot of The Office. Uh, in between Gamescom, like everyone coming back from that, some other travel going on, some reviews in the works, a whole bunch of The Office is out this week. But that doesn't matter because both of us are in office and we've played Control. Yes, we have. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, I'm calling this week's episode an interlude. We're going to pretty much be talking exclusively about Control this week. I just reviewed it. Janet's been working on the guide for it, so she's beaten it. Uh, We're going to be talking in completely spoiler-free terms about it. And yes, I know it's not a PlayStation 4 exclusive, but we're both pretty much in agreement that it's one of our favorite games of 2019. So we want to tell you a little bit about why. Uh, If you are not interested in Control... Don't worry, the show will be back to its normally regularly scheduled programming next week. Uh, We'll be doing Trophy Test and Memory Card and News Crunch and the whole, all the works back then. Uh, But we're going to be talking about Control. And to start things off, I have two notes from the Podcast Beyond community that I want to talk about Control. Um, The first note being, uh, this is from Facebook.com slash groups slash Podcast Beyond, where we ask for questions about Control. Jeff asked, are you going to start the Control discussion by referencing the Janet Jackson song of the same name? because you should we just referenced it so there you go there we go already done did it. Perfect. reference achieved uh and then moving on from that samuel asked what the hell is control and that's a fair question samuel um we've been talking about this a bit in the office and especially ryan mccaffrey has been mentioning it um Controls have been flying a little bit under the radar. We did an IGN first on it here, so we had a month full of exclusives from it. Mm. It's from a well-known developer, but it hasn't had the biggest marketing push necessarily behind it. So you may not even know that this game is already out, but I reviewed it. I gave it an 8.8. You can read my great review on IGN.com or watch it on YouTube for more about what I thought, but we'll be talking about that a lot here. Um, But yeah, I figured we should at least give the audience at home who may not know Control a little basis for what Control is. So right off the bat, Control is a third-person action game. Uh, You star as a woman named Jesse Faden, who is investigating things at a place called the Federal Federal Bureau of Control, which is essentially this secret government organization that uh, investigates the supernatural. Yep. Uh, along the way, you get a host of pretty awesome psychic powers as you investigate uh, what's going on really there, both in her personal story and the world there. Um, it's third-person mixture of gunplay, these more ranged psychic abilities that you get. Um, it's 
vaguely in the wheelhouse of other third-person action games that you probably play on PS4, like an Uncharted mm -hmm. um, or Infamous, uh, things of that nature. Right. Um, it's made by Remedy, who made Alan Wake, Quantum Break, uh, and a few other games. Of course, the Max Payne franchise they're mm -hmm. uh, famous for multi-platform-wise. But um, yeah, they haven't really had too much of a PlayStation presence recently. So this is their first release in a while. Is there anything yeah. you want to talk about setting the stage of it? Um, no, I think that's pretty much it. The, really, the big focus is that whole paranormal, supernatural angle. Like, I feel like... One of the reasons this kind of did fall under the radar is, and even for me that's been kind of following it for a while, even before starting at IGN, is a lot of the promotional material was kind of just like weird sci-fi stuff. Mm. And it was really hard to get a sense of what the game actually was like in practice and how it functioned mechanically. Uh, the one thing I would add to your description is that there are some occasional very light like environmental puzzles. Yeah, for um, sure. That was definitely one of like the gameplay threads that was kind of weaved throughout the the story and everything. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think that's pretty much on the nose. Yeah, and I think what's interesting to note about this one, we were mentioning, you know, Remedy's not had much of a PlayStation presence. Mm -hmm. I do feel like it fits in a piece with PlayStation games. Yeah. Uh, there is a digital deluxe edition that has some PS4 exclusive stuff. Yeah, there's there's actually it, right? two. If I think if it's exclusive to the deluxe digital one, but you can get like a bonus mission in there. I think the DLC might hit to PlayStation first. I'm okay. not positive on yeah. that one. But a lot of its like extras were very like PlayStation focused. And you'll notice that sometimes with like, especially in the modern era where I feel like exclusives are less prominent than they were a few years ago. Um, a lot of it is through like these different versions where it's like one ver one platform would be kind of favored in that sense. And that definitely was the case with uh, PlayStation. There's the really game. infamous um, Anthem Grid oh yeah! Of all the different editions. This definitely had a thing. similar. I mean, it wasn't but as not crazy. As bad, no, it wasn't as bad. Especially because like it still had the same base release date, so exactly. that that made it less like of a of a joke. But it did have a lot of different pathways, uh, even in there. that purchase. And yeah, there are mm -hmm. uh, for those wondering. This is a very story driven, like very focused game in that bit. But there is a lot of. Uh, side missions and extra things you can do outside of that 10-chapter campaign that you get. Uh, there are also two story-based expansions mm -hmm. coming in the future. Uh, no release dates on those, but I think within the next year or so is the plan. And then yeah. there's also going to be content in between there that's more free and more geared to keep you going with the game as it happens. Um, but the first thing I wanted to go right off the bat, talking a little bit, again, totally spoiler-free, mm -hmm. you know, beyond the first... I say 15 minutes of the game. We'll try to not spoil anything beyond that because we have the first 15 up on IGN. Mm -hmm. um, the story itself, and I want to talk about how you felt about it, especially as it went on. Um, it's kind of this dual uh, focus of both Jesse's personal reasons for coming to the Federal Bureau of Control very early on. Within those first few minutes, you realize that she, there's a presence with her mm -hmm. uh, that she refers to a bit vaguely, so you don't really have a sense of it just at the beginning. Um, and they're there to investigate something that does matter personally to Jesse, but then, of course, you're also uh, very quickly become embroiled in the Bureau's day-to-day. Uh, -day. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the once again, the spoiler-free version of this that, that they have posted on their official website is basically that she's Jesse's there to kind of investigate the, quote, nightmarish events of her childhood. But um, a weird thing is that, like, the way the FBC functions, and once again, this is, like, basically immediately in the game, is that kind of anyone that inadvertently steps into the roles is now the director of the FBC, um, which is, it kind of reminds me a lot of that, like, um, what was it, that movie Santa Claus, where he puts on the suit and he's suddenly Santa. <laughs> I didn't think of that. That is pretty much this. It's yeah. actually just like that because, yeah. you know, basically she kind of inadvertently steps into this role and that's why um, it has that dual story that Jonathan was talking about where it's part Jesse wanting answers to 
what drove her to the FBC, but then also her working as the director and having to trying to keep people safe and and deal with um, the enemy force that is in the. Yeah, I'm looking sure this isn't like too much. Yeah, I, th- I think without spoiling it, yeah. like there is an um, uh, uh, presence. Yeah, an evil presence that has invaded mm-hmm. the bureau, and you're trying to help get rid of it. Um, but you're also day to day dealing with this all the employees because yeah. you're now their boss and both they know you're brand new to the job, but also know you have that job. So yeah. it's this kind of counterbalance of like people respect you, but they also don't know if they should respect you. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting cause it's like, and I, I feel like it's very relatable, this idea of like stepping into a job or a position that maybe you, in, in Jesse's case, she's, well, she actually kind of is qualified to be director in some ways because she has like something different about her is sort of even what, when you like step into the role, like Emily Pope, one of the first characters you talk to is like kind of, alludes to the fact that there's something like maybe special about Jesse and that she's maybe meant for this role in some way. Um, but that combined with the fact that she has no idea what's going on, doesn't know where anything is. Um, I, fi- I found that to be very relatable where it's like, you know, first day of school kind of vibe <laughs> or like first day on the job Yeah. where it's like, Oh, you have to do this. Where is that? Yeah. Oh, it's down there. And then you kind of have to learn to navigate that. Um, and I really like that because I felt like as the player, those things melted together really well. Yeah. Like I was constantly, especially as the story progresses, I was like, Hmm, the FBC, like, how much do I really know about them? Can I, can I trust them? Like, is this what's going on here? Who's telling me the truth? Like, yeah. then there's my, you know, Jesse's own internal monologue, which, you know, we can talk about in a bit with how it's presented. Yeah. Um, all those things at play, like I was just as curious as I felt like Jesse was portrayed to be. And I really like that aspect of it. Yeah. She's, she's both interested if she like begrudgingly becomes more invested as the game mm-hmm. goes on, I would say, because she's very much, and it makes sense, but like selfishly so focused on her goal at the mm-hmm. beginning of the game, which totally makes sense. But I think classic she, video game trope. Yeah, but but I think to your point of like the curiosity of the world and everything, it's a really really great intro point for like every game that introduces you to a new world or a new setting has that problem of like how do we convey everything to you mm-hmm. without it sounding like here is the information that you need to know about these locations, like exactly. to not make it feel so expository. Right. And I feel like this game does a really great job of that because each new sector you go to of uh, the bureau is this one giant building. You're inside. Yeah, it's called ba- the oldest house. The oldest house. You're basically inside the oldest house for the whole game, but it has many different business sectors to it um and each sector has kind of one person of main interest who you interact with the most and they're all so individually quirky like each one of them has a different focus has a different care and thus their personalities really come out within the first Mm -hmm. like minutes of meeting them that it both one made me curious about these characters two made me curious about the place they worked and three made me want Jesse to be more invested in all of that mm-hmm. too. And I felt like that came through in her character as it went on also. Yeah. And, and the, and the game does a really good job at having that feel authentic as well. Like you hear other characters comment on other characters like, Oh yeah. yeah. Like one of the first characters you meet like early on, this is probably a little bit past the 15 minute mark, but like the, the janitor that you like meet, actually you meet him. He's in the beginning. Yeah. yeah he's in the beginning too. He's, he comes up a couple of times. Um, and later people were like, Oh yeah. Like he's kind of weird. Right. Yeah. And it's just nice to see those, callbacks and feel like the world's really interacting with itself like it's not like a giant game in terms of space yeah. um there are about like you know a handful of, of sectors and sections of the game maybe i would yeah. say it's about accurate yeah um but it feels so interconnected and you you get to know all the areas so well especially you know with writing the guide i definitely got to know the area as well yeah but um it really does a good job at sending you back and forth but not like in an annoying way i never felt yeah. like i was constantly like 
running to do something to unlock something else. It felt very like organic in that sense. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things they do best in terms of building out the story, uh, and this goes a little bit into like the world construction, but mm-hmm. there are a ton of collectibles throughout the world. And this is, you know, video game trope 101, but you know, there are notes and documents and audio recordings all throughout. But I think what makes these all work one is they're super well written. Like a lot of them are very either funny or insightful or spooky or just like really find uh, they get a lot with a little bit of space or they are very context sensitive. Uh, This is something I mentioned in my review, but like if you're playing through, get the collectibles along the way as you see them and read them when they're there because Mm -hmm. they often have context to where the story is at that point and they really do enhance things. Yeah, I think for better or worse sometimes. Like I do think some of the best character stuff for Jesse's personal story is hidden in that collectible stuff. For sure. Um, And so you miss a little bit of that if you just stick to the campaign. But uh, how did you feel about her personal side of the story without going to spoilers, of course? Yeah, I can definitely see why you say that because you you really don't get to know a lot of, I guess, the emotions within control um, just because a lot of it is so, like, almost fact-driven. It's like trying to figure out what's going on and the answers and the, and the solutions to a problem. It's less about her discussing what her relationships mean to her personally. You don't, it's more of just like a task to do and something that like, you know, you want to do this because like most people do, but yeah. it's, I know it's kind of vague, but I don't want to get like too specific. Um, so yeah, I would say there's not as much of an emotional drive behind Jesse, which I think there easily could have been. So I can see that being like a little bit of a fault, but um, it didn't seem to bother me at all. I didn't really like, I liked getting her, emotions and her personality through more of her rationale that's kind of how they played out played up her character as someone that's very like down to earth and realistic and kind of caustic you know almost a little bit mean um and and I really like that about her uh she felt like a really well like built out character not archetypal at all like um I love that this game was so almost self-aware not about being a game because I hate I hate those things where it's like oh we're in a game but it definitely knew the kind of jokes and tropes of video games. So like, you know, there's a lot of times where we'll be playing games, especially those of us who have played for years and years where it's like, oh, come on, like no one would react this way or this is ridiculous or come on, just tell me where to go. And and those kind of thoughts are voiced through Jessie directly. Like she'll yeah. be thinking to herself like, God, does she ever stop talking? You know, does she yeah. ever stop talking? Or it cuts to where her are we gonna perspective. Go- exactly. And conversational. Yeah, and the cutscenes are very cinematic in that sense. Like I love the... The art direction, or maybe it's not the art direction, but just the like general direction of how the cutscenes are shot. Yeah. One thing that's kind of interesting too is this game incorporates some level of like I don't know if it's direct FMV or like part like FMV style. I think yeah. it is kind of direct FMV actually. But they have a couple of the um, and these the nice thing about like you saying that some of the best stuff is in the side collectibles. Some of those collectibles are forced on you, so you yeah. walk into a room and a clip will just start playing. Like you don't have to pick it up. And um, those were really like creepy and weird and uncomfortable in a really cool way. Like yeah. some of the, um, there's a, a cartoon show called oh, Threshold uh, Kits. Yeah. Um, so if, if you guys are going to play Control, definitely interact with any TVs you see. Yeah. And, and I think they do funnel you to at least one of them. Yeah. Uh, I think I only got two clips in my initial playthrough. I want to go back because there are six total. I uh, confirmed with the team. Oh, some, cool. of, some of the details okay. on collectibles. I'm still yeah. working on getting more of them Uh so that we know how much is in the game. But yeah, they're really creepy. Like they're these yeah. weird little like puppet doll things. It's we might so actually have some some of it up on the site. Yeah. Um, 
but it yeah. works really well. It, yeah, it's just creepy and but unsettling. But it's also like it. really funny at points, too. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the game is a really great balance of tones throughout. And, like, when it needs to be funny, it's funny. When it needs to be serious and when it needs to be off-putting, like, in a creepy what's going on, I don't know where I am sort of way, I feel like it always balanced that stuff super well. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the the Jesse stuff in conversation, it'll, uh, when it's her personal like inner monologue going it cuts to just her eyes and it thinks for a bit and so essentially i always thought that just one like funny thing about that i always thought like kind of assumed time is a little bit frozen when it cuts to those Mm -hmm. because sometimes she goes on for a really long time like (laughs) i really was just at one point in the game it cut back maybe it does in a side conversation i haven't noticed and she's like uh were you gonna say anything because she just like sometimes she's thinking for a long time (laughs) but um no, I, I like a lot of the personal character stuff. I just wish some of the, like, most emotionally heart-wrenching or, like... Uh, yeah, it doesn't really pull at the heartstrings. Yeah, much. yeah. Um, but I think for but the it does make part, you think a lot. Yes, yeah. And I, I think the stuff in regard to the oldest house and their work and all that stuff is so fascinating. And they give you sort of as much leeway as you want to investigate into it um, as you want to, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate. And we can jump a little bit into how you actually do that, which is exploring through the game. Yeah. Um, so as we mentioned, you there's some shooting involved. There's some psychic abilities. Uh, let's start with the shooting part first. You have one gun. Yes. Called the service weapon. Mm -hmm. And the service weapon, it's the single gun in the game, but it takes on different forms that you can unlock as you play. So, like, you have a standard sort of, like, pistol setting at first. Then you get other ones that are more like a shotgun spread blast. You get a pierce, which is more like a uh, sniper single really harsh blast. You get one that's just like a revolver, like constant uh, Mm -hmm. machine gun fire. Um, Four or five. There's five. Yeah, there's five. Yeah. So... You want to know how to get all of them. It's in the guide. It's in the guide. Um, I really, by the end of the game, I kind of came down to like a combo that I loved and just used. Yeah. What was your go-to combo? Uh, Pierce and then whatever. The revolver one? Yeah. Me too. Pierce and spin. It's just such a good spin. Thank you. Like it's such a good back and forth where Mm -hmm. the Pierce, because it's so, it deals so much damage. It's a really great like one fire to use in between either your psychic abilities or more of a like volley of bullets. Definitely. uh, Especially when you need to knock down shield enemies. Yeah. And um, on that note, now I'm thinking about what I, oh, they have like, um, they only let you have two equipped at a time. Like you can swap them out. Like, so one of the big like aspects of this game that at least was highlighted, you know, on their website, which I like to go back to because I wonder like, how does the developer and company like want us to see this game and think about it? Um, one of the things they did mention was the customization and the loadouts. So you do have like a skill tree for Jesse uh, for her health, energy, and then the psychic abilities that Jonathan referred to. You also have uh, weapon mods that you can add to your weapons. You have personal mods that you can add to like your person. So that kind of, in addition to the skill tree, you also have like you can have a mod that helps you gain energy quicker. So I really liked those customization options. You can only have two guns like ready to interchange quickly at a time, but you can swap out like that loadout whenever you want. Um, So that's why, you know, when we, me and Dornbush were talking about what our favorite like combo was, that's why it was just a combo because you can only have two that you're swapping between, um, but you can interchange those as you see fit. The Pearson and Spin were definitely my favorites, but I like the, um, just the variety in general. And I know I always find an excuse to talk about Jack and Daxter whenever I'm on the <laughs> show, but it did remind me of the gun, the Morph gun in Jack 2, which okay. is actually just a singular gun as well, but it okay. looks way different and acts way different. Yeah. But it technically is just one switching out. Um, yeah, there's something I, I, I really enjoy about that. Maybe it's the practicality of it, because realistically, your character couldn't hold all hold these things. Guns, yeah. Um, so I really like that they made that so 
everything just feels so well melded into the world yeah. and it all makes sense in the lore and yeah. I really appreciate that. It's also, it's a really cool visual thing they can mm-hmm. do with the gun because since it is one weapon that can have five different forms, it's essentially a bunch of like little bricks that stack together in different ways. Mm-hmm. So like the pierce has these sort of like angled, uh, like almost a reticule around it that forms uh, the spinner changes compared to the charge. Like the charge is a little shorter and squat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a cool little like visual hook. Yeah, too. and I know you mentioned in your review that the enemies do get a little bit repetitive. There are definitely a handful of different types that you can introduce to, but definitely in a later game and especially because for the most part minus like one or two of them where like there's one that can like throw things at you and that's the one I'm like oh yeah I know who you are I hate you yeah Uh, Yeah. other than like some of those standout enemies a lot of them are like one goon slightly stronger goon yeah this one's blue you know it's like kind of that's kind of simplistic but what's really fun about the combat and what makes the combat itself feel so fresh to me is the fact that they do give you so many tools to play with. So you're like throwing something and then you're like, oh, I'm going to test out the Pierce gun or I'm going to try to like, you know, shoot this way or I'm going to take cover this time or I'm going to go aggressive. I'm going to go defensive. And it, the, the joy is in the experimentation and the enemies are just kind of like the canvas for which you paint. Yeah. They're more fodder than like an interesting thing to fight, which has its drawbacks and positives to it. It definitely, for me, I think it was more so that by the last like few encounters, I had my, uh, like for, I'd say the last two or three chapters, Mm -hmm. I had my loadout just so perfectly planned that the only reason I would die at those points was just if I got cocky and rushed into battle. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I, I do like that, uh, Explore the side stuff is my best recommendation for this game, not just because of the collectibles, but in terms of also like unique combat situations without spoiling it. Like the coolest boss battles are off to the side. Yeah. Um, That's the, uh, another question I feel like people often have. Are there bosses in this game? In the campaign? Like, no. There, I would uh, say there's, there's like one thing that felt like a boss yeah. early on because it was like an enemy with a health bar. That's kind yeah. of my like marker for boss. And there was an enemy with a. Well, a big enemy with a health bar, right? Little The goons have health yeah, bars too, which is yeah. nice. I like getting that visual feedback when yeah, I play too. games. But there's no um, numbers popping off of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, which is also kind of an interesting choice. I was expecting this to be almost a little bit more traditional in that sense. But, yeah, I uh, like that it wasn't. I me it too. I, I'm actually not a huge fan of boss battles. Yeah. Um, I'm like, eh, I don't know. It always feels so... Um, like standalone almost yeah. unless it's a game that's designed around the boss battle like yeah, Cuphead so, or something yeah I was gonna say that or even something like uh, Batman Arkham where mm-hmm. it's very much involved in the, the specific yeah, or, or, or the Spider-Man right like it's kind of yeah. it makes sense that this is what everything's leading up to yeah but um, I, I yeah. think the, the boss battles I think you may have done one or two more than me but like I've enjoyed yes. them on the side but they're definitely not for the faint of heart either like they yeah I, I did one that was fairly hard um, that's another thing I, I'd, I'd love for us to kind of touch on because it's a little bit hard to describe is it hard or not to die in this game? So it has one I got difficulty. Mixed, yes, but I have some mixed feelings on it. I don't think it's... Take. I feel I, like it's easy not to die and easy to die it at is the same time. Because it's super easy to get cocky in this game. Like going back to what I was saying mm-hmm. a little earlier, it is so easy to be like, I am, for lack of a better term, in control right now. <laughs> I can just go all in. And, yep. But you can... You can get knocked out in a couple hits. A yeah. Lot of oh, time. something Especially else that um, don't update your health. Yeah, that I, uh, I I know offhand and so much that I didn't didn't even think to mention it until now. So the way it works is your ammo is always oh, yeah. regenerating, so you don't need to pick up ammo at all. So like if you're using your, you know, the grip is the first service weapon form you have. You have maybe like ten bullets, and once those ten bullets are done, it'll just kind of recharge itself. So there's kind of you can call that a cooldown or a recharge or whatever you want, a refresh, but whatever. You can't be aiming. 
if you're aiming, it doesn't. Yes. Oh, okay. Actually, I don't know if I knew that. I should. I should add that to the things. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. At least like if you're still in combat, like it doesn't reach. I guess I never thought to. You know, when it was when it was empty, I'm like, I may be wrong on that part. I think I didn't notice because when it, you know, why would I aim if it was empty? You know, but um, it never that never really became annoying to me because you have the psychic abilities, which you don't get right right away, but very early still. So let's jump Um, into those because those are so much. fun. Oh, and then health really quick. It's through. Yeah. Killing enemies, they drop health, and then you pick up that health. Yes. And that's how you get health. Yeah. So. And, and you can upgrade your health bar mm-hmm. uh, through personal mods um, in the skill tree as well. Yeah. So um, it kind of pushes you to be a little bit more aggressive. And when we were talking to the developers at E3, um, that's something they had mentioned that they didn't want. Or even just like in interviews, they've mentioned like other games that they've made people have played more as a cover shooter. And they didn't want this to be a cover shooter. Yeah. So they kind of pushed you out there with how it was designed. It, there is like light cover, like you can crack yes. behind things, but the world is like semi-destructible. Yeah. And they don't so, even tell you how to do cover until like yeah. the third or fourth mission. It like, takes a while for them to actually mention it. But yeah, it's, um, it, there's a lot of the environment that's destructible, both like objects that you can pick up uh, with one of your psychic abilities, as well as just like walls and uh, yeah. partitions and things like Which that. Which I love. I'm just like office. running all over those computers. Oh, yeah. like Everything is broken. Breaking everything. It's, it's a very cathartic game you, for that reason. We're very bad at managing the bills as directors, but yeah. it's super fun to mess around. So yeah, let's anyway uh, jump into the psychic, psychic abilities because that's one of my favorite parts of the game. Um, you start out essentially... You get new powers throughout the game. A lot of them are not uh, obligatory, though. Yes. Um, so you do, again, keep exploring the side stuff because some of the cool stuff you have to go outside the bounds of the, ch- the main chapters to get. I think you know the exact list of them. Yeah. I guess this is a, a slight it. technical combat spoiler. All this info in terms of these moves are out there. We covered them in our IGN first. But just in case people don't want that bit spoiled, we are going to mention them. Do you have the list? Or I do in... Literally two seconds. Perfect. I got. I, will I keep ran into a Best Buy ad. Because you're. Here we go. Um, so there's only two that are gonna come up mandatory. In, do we want me to just list them? Yeah. Is that yeah, okay? Yeah. Okay. So if you don't want to hear like that list, that you could just skip them. Vanish on out, and it's fine. Or skip ahead. Um, there's launch, evade, shield, levitate, and seize. The only ones that are like automatically in the main campaign are launch and levitate. Is evade. Not? Evade is not, though they do it's really like... It's easy to get there. Yeah, yeah, and they do kind of... It's interesting because I did feel like the game was designed to make you do that one, even though it yeah. is technically a side thing okay. because... Well, I'm not going to spoil oh, how, how right. it happens. Yeah, yeah, you're right, right. But yeah. technically, like, you'd have to go into a room that you don't need to go into because yes. I, yeah, I was talking correct. to someone in the office who was playing and they're like... I think it was uh, Medina, and he's like, oh, I didn't get that one. I'm like, oh, it's literally, like, right across yeah. from the janitor's office. It's so um, apparent, but it's also, yeah, you're right, it's yeah. not. Um, so evade, obviously, is just, like, a quick dash move that you get. Um, shield. And then shield, you get this really cool ability to summon a bunch of concrete granite from around you to protect you, uh, and it's basically, as you move around, you can angle it differently depending on who's firing at you. Um, this is all in third person still. Uh, there's no shift to first ever that I can think of. No. Um, you get the levitate. levitate ability, thank you, which you get to hover, basically. Um, it eventually, you start to gradually fall back down to the ground. You, you can increase the booster, nice. but yeah. And there is fall damage, so that's nice because it helps with that. Yes, and you're able to, st- if you start to, once you have that ability, if you start to uh, fall too quickly, you can stop yourself mm-hmm. from doing that and catch, which is nice. Uh, well, I really love the animation of that because it's like, she's never done this before, so her animation yeah. is kind of like wobbly, which yeah, I really there's appreciate. A lot of amazing attention to detail like that too. Yeah. Like I love her idol animations. I post this on Twitter, but one of her idol animations is just her rubbing her shoulder. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, that's totally me. Yep. My shoulders are sore at the time. It makes sense. And, yeah. and the last ability is Cease, which is the ability to basically 
possess enemies yeah, that are low in health. Um, and then yeah. for a little while, they'll be your ally. And then once they're done being your ally, because it only lasts for like a little bit, they'll just die. Yeah. Like well, and then the, my favorite that we didn't really like dive into, though, is the telekinesis, which is mm -hmm. the overall ability to summon items to your side. Yeah, uh, that would be launch. A launch. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Launch. I keep forgetting to call it launch. Um, you get the ability to bring an item to your side. It can be like a slab of concrete from the wall or the floor or a chair or a table. Yeah, and it can really be like anything. Like yeah. there's so many things that, like water bottles that are just on the ground, like mail. Uh, like, most of the environment. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's really like fun. It's just yes. like a great use of the environment and it just really like invites you to just get creative and yeah. get funny. And then also there's like ones that, you know, if there's one that will combust, it'll like create flames everywhere and then you can, you hurt, can yourself. hurt yourself. You can yeah. hurt. Yeah. yeah you can hurt yourself that, that way. Don't uh, set yourself on fire. I grabbed hot, a hot lift <laughs> and hit an enemy like two feet in front of me. I was like, this is going to be great. And I was like, Oh, it also, cause it has an engine. So it exploded. Yeah. Right? I forgot about that. Right. Um, Fire's bad but still. that for me, I wrote about that in the review, like the, how that, uh, launch ability, the snap of items to your side and the way they zoom forward is so powerful. And I think they nailed the sense of it as yeah. it comes to you and launches away and the way it hits enemies and like even fun things you can do. Like if you aim it correctly, you can pull the ground out from under an enemy, killing them or pull an item from behind an enemy and kill them on the way yeah. back. It's so fun to use. Yeah. And then since you can also like, like I said earlier, you can upgrade all those abilities. You can do like even more creative things. Like there's an upgrade to the shield ability that I haven't gotten yet, but you can like hover over and see what a lot of them are, if not all of them. Uh, and one of them is when the shield's like done, when you're either let it go or it breaks, like the debris just flies and like kills yeah. everyone around you. Um, so there's just like a lot to strive for in the sake of like, I just want to get this. But then also it's like, oh, this is going to make combat really interesting or this yeah. is going to make exploring like a little bit more fun or give me more tools in my arsenal. Yeah, it feels so varied and it's so funny. I never got bored of any of those by the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, you do have like a basic melee attack, which kind of like sends out a like psionic blast, like yeah. wave. I never really used I, I stopped using that. Because the beginning. enemies are like, because your health is not that high yeah and, and even with which was also one of the developers goals they're like we want this to be like a little a little challenging yeah Not, we, don't, we don't want it to be a complete walk in the park um and they definitely like i think hit that good balance because yeah, for, sure. for the most part i didn't have too hard of a time but there were definitely were a few like wait when it's waves and waves of consecutive enemies yeah you know you get caught up and then the health's too far away you're trying to reach it you die trying to reach the health the classic way to die in games <laughs> yep. i always feel bitter about oh, yeah. it i'm like oh i would just didn't believe in myself and, yep. then, and this is oh it happened to me so much the game gods punishing me but <laughs> um yeah so they i forgot what i why i had brought that up but um but yeah so it's just like another way to kind of go about things um in the game yeah and you do use some of these abilities especially get to get to some bits of some of the sectors and yeah. so i want to go a little bit into the world um and kind of talk about just the environment itself like i think honestly one of the reasons this game may not have like been publicized amazingly to a lot of people is when you show it it's really red and gray like those are the prominent mm -hmm. colors and those are not the most like eye-catching sort of thing that you want to see especially like here's this game that takes place inside a giant like skyscraper a concrete skyscraper and to, like off the bat that doesn't sound interesting but mm -hmm. they do so much with that interior environment yeah. that it's so fun to explore uh, one of my favorite little tricks they do is there are a lot of control points throughout the game and most of those when you get to them the world will change around it because the oldest house can change its geometry yeah. Uh, at any point. Uh, what, what did you love about exploring the world? Like, um, a lot, I mean, a lot of things, like the collectibles, of course, but yeah. also just like how 
surprising elements of Wars. It's going to be a little bit hard to talk about because I don't want to like give away yeah. those moments. But um, sometimes I'd go into like a room and be like, I don't need to be here yet. But <laughs> I feel like a lot of times in games when you go somewhere where you're not supposed to be, it's because, oh, it's too hard for you or something like that. But um, this isn't too, too, too spoily. But the first time I went into, there's an area called like the Astral Maze. And it's just this, this kind of maze. And I don't really need to talk further about that but the first time I went into it I was like running around and I like couldn't get through it and it's basically because I'm not meant to get through it yet in the game but it was really surprising because it was just like in the middle of like the dimensional research area and like why is this here and there's like a lot of like crazy weird like one of the big parts of the game is like that there are these objects of power that are like paranormal things so just even the way like things are just on display in places or even the names of some locations like the um there's an area called the panopticon yeah and uh, I remember, like, I was playing, and, and Sam Claiborne was like, "Oh, there's a Panopticon in this game," and I'm like, "Is that a, like a thing?" And then he just talked to me about like the, you know, if you break down the word, it's like, well, this means like viewing area, and this means like circle. So it's like it's just interesting how they like even something so simplistic as like a naming convention, it just makes it feel like a little bit weird and yeah. serious. And I really like that aspect of it. Um, I lo- I ba- I love that basically. I never knew what the world would look like. And I think there are elements that are a little bit samey. Um, I, I played For so sure. many hours of the game that like, one other thing Sam mentioned, he's like, I feel like you're always in an elevator. I just walk by and you're in an <laughs> elevator. Like I just happen to be, but like, there's like so many places that are just different and weird. There are like places that are like kind of overrun with like weird nature-y yeah. stuff, you know, without That's getting good. too specific, yeah. right? Um, there are like areas that are, you know, feel a lot more like industrial. There are areas that feel a lot more office-y. There's like yeah. a cafeteria area. There's just like a lot of things that are either hyper normal, like, oh, this is just a room with, a, just a conference room. Like there's like 80 conference rooms, but then there's also like, out of nowhere, you open a door and you're like in a totally weird, like this is an experiment. Someone left here yep. and no one was supposed to come in here, but you're yep. in here now. Or like, good, you're here. We need help. Uh, this one person's like dying. Yeah. And so I, I liked how, there's not really, other than maybe office area, there's not really a typical kind of area in control. Yeah, I, I, like yeah I really loved the variety I was able to pull off um, and especially not knowing what I was going to get to next mm-hmm. while still making everything feel cohesive. Um, yeah, it really made me want to explore every like different sector and you have a map that shows you where you've been, where you haven't been mm-hmm. and everything. But yeah, I wanted to go to pretty much every corner of this world and I'm still working my way through some of that stuff. But yeah, it's such a cool environment. Like a, a great sense of space sells me so hard in a game. Oh, absolutely. And me they, too. like they know this world, they built this world and they know it. Uh, and it's really cool. It's super fun to explore. It is something though, that as you're exploring, you may, occasionally run into performance issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I do think this is worth mentioning. I mentioned in my review, I played on a PS4 Pro. And for a large part of the game, I didn't run into massive uh, technical issues. At the end of every chapter end, it would kind of pause for a second. Audio would play, but the chapter would still be frozen. I couldn't control it for a second until the trophy popped. Uh Um, Thank you. Um, Things like that. Or if I came out of a particularly long pause, it would hitch for a second. Um, Or if... Probably more than 10 enemies were on screen and, you know, five or six explosions are going off. It would seriously slow down a bit. It never really impeded my progress, but if that's something you super care about right now, it's definitely possible they could patch that out. Um, They, that's just something to know going in. Again, it never was a hindrance for me. Like it'd be a 
a momentary, oh man, this sucks, but I got through it. I never died because of it. Um, it felt pretty comfortable for me. How has it been for you? Yeah, um, unfortunately, I did not play on uh, PS4 at all. I actually played on PC. I played on Windows 10. Um, I don't have the other specs off the top of my head of what might what kind of PC I'm running. I will say when I tried to do it on Windows 8, I could not. Interesting. Which is a problem because they did say their base specs are Windows 8. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's something weird with my loadout. Also, you know, whenever you're playing a game before release, it's often a little bit more prone to like having weird issues pop up because they haven't put it out into the the world yet. So they don't know like what does this look like at scale, uh, at least not entirely. So, uh, but yeah, on Windows 10, it, didn't have one single issue at all. I did do it without ray tracing, but just because I didn't want any performance issues or any gotcha. like, you know, when I, when you're doing capture and it's for work, like I just, <laughs> you didn't this doesn't it. need to be like the greatest visual experience of my life. Like I just need to know where to go. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that sucks. I really hope that they fix it because um, like so many people have been like, oh, well, I think I'm going to wait until like maybe a patch drops. So I really hope one does because I really want people to play this game. Yeah, yeah. For those who are like technical like that really matters to you, the technical proficiency, don't get me wrong, it doesn't not matter to me, mm -hmm. but in this case, it never really took away from the experience, but I get that. Um, for reference, we did, Ryan McCaffrey's playing it on Xbox One X. He said he hasn't really run into any issues. He's like four or five hours in. He said it's running like buttery smooth, he said, so it seems to be working on there. most powerful console. <laughs> uh, I did speak to one of our editorial designers, Eric Sapp. However, he's been playing for, I think, a couple of hours or so, um, and I asked him how the game was running for him. He said, I had some troubles, mostly in heavy combat sequences. The frame rate would mega chug. He was playing on a base PS4. Uh, he said, I think it would drop down to about 10 frames per second at times, but exploration and everything outside of combat runs well. Uh, and he said, I'm loving this game besides the performance issues and it's not impeding the process. Hopefully they put a fix out soon. But yeah, it sounds like there's definitely, if you have a base PS4, which obviously a lot of people do, it may not run the best for you right now and you may want to wait, um, but we haven't had extensive enough experience with that yeah. to say. But please play it. Somehow, yeah, somewhere, obviously, somewhere we love this game. Um, I do want to go to a couple questions from that we have from both social media. Um, do you have any that you want to jump to? I have a few others. Um, oh, uh, one thing that was kind of mentioned that someone had asked uh, is just like the a little bit more about the structure of it and the length. Um, this the, the length is very like heavily said around how long to beat is a very popular website but so the general how long to beat would be like 10 to 15 hours uh jonathan would you say that's accurate to yeah i'd say like in? if you're mainlining the story it's like roughly an hour per chapter maybe a few or a little longer mm -hmm. um so probably you can beat the campaign pretty easily in 10 to 12 hours if you ignore like all side stuff but you're doing yourself a huge disservice and side stuff probably adds another like five to ten hours one thing i like too about least. as far as the side stuff is i feel like you don't have to go too far off. like it's not like you have to do like three consecutive side missions to get the one that gives you an ability. Like they do kind of, as they funnel you and side missions pop up, I suggest you do the ones that pop up. And if one pops up after that, maybe, you know, maybe swing back to that later. Yeah. But I think it does do a good job at like showing you which ones matter. Um, and there are, we, we didn't mention them, but there are two other types of side missions that pop up, uh, board countermeasures, oh, yeah. which are like, Location and enemy base, so it's like kill five types of this enemy. I was skeptical at first, enemy. but it, I loved it. Yeah, and it, it's a way to get more mods, um, more bonuses for things. Uh, so Crafting you, materials. Yeah, yeah, you can get three of those at any point in time that you're able to complete, and then as you complete them, more cycle in. You can also pick some to then abandon them. There's usually like I think five at any one, mm -hmm. five or six to choose from at any one time, so you can 
sort of condition those to based on what location you want to go to or what enemies you think you're going to yeah. be fighting. Or what um, uh, type of weapon you want to use. Yeah, what weapon as they well. They have ones that are weapons. Um, and then there are other bureau alerts that yeah. will randomly sound off throughout not the world. Not as into the bureau alerts. Not me, not so much, because they're also like, randomly it'll be like, bureau alert, someone needs your help in this area. And it's like, and you like I'm wait. on a mission. Yeah, so. I was like, oh, I got other stuff. And to then do. I, I did one because I, you know, for guide purposes, I'm like, well, what would you get for these? Yeah. You just get crafting material. It's not as, yeah. It's, the not rewards, as, it's not as fruitful. But it's a nice way that like if you're in the post game and you're, because you can go back yeah. and still keep exploring this world, which is nice. Mm -hmm. um, you do have a lot of ability to be like, oh, I'm over here. Oh, that new mission popped up. I might as well yeah. give that a shot. Um, oh, but to, to make it as brief as possible, how the missions are structured. So like, like Jonathan said, there are 10 missions, main missions in the game of varying lengths. So you know, if you get to the first two really fast, don't feel like, oh my God, the game's almost over because it will take longer to get through the rest of them. But basically it's very standard. You'll like go, someone will talk to you, they'll tell you what to do. You have like the mission icon, like as long as you have it tracked, um, it'll show up with like a yellow, like the text of the map will be in yellow for like where you need to be, if that makes sense. So like I'm just making up places. Let's say you have to be in the cafeteria. Like if that's not a name, like a marked place on the map, but it would say like cafeteria in yellow and you'd know you need to go there. And you can always check that by just going to the fast travel points and yeah. scanning through. Cause sometimes it'll be on a floor that you like maybe don't know offhand, like where is the cafeteria? But if you just scan through those maps, like from the fast travel point, which is the control point, then you can just easily find out where that is. Um, yeah. And that's basically it. Other than that, it's, Usually pretty clear on where to go, which I really like. Um, that being said, of course, if you get stuck, I have the walkthrough that's dropping this <laughs> week on IGN.com. So you guys can check that out. But um, it does a really good job at like if you just even look at the environment, you can see a lot of like notable like markers. Like they'll have like, oh, this is I know I have to go to the mail room. So like, OK, well, that arrow says mail room and it's pointing to the left. So let me follow this. So I think it does do a pretty good job at like showing you where you need to go. That being said, I, there were a few times where I like it was a little bit hard to read because the map isn't doesn't denote floor that well. Yeah, that's so true. So I'm like, I'm here, but I'm not here. Where do I need to go? I'm like below it or above exactly. it. Exactly. Um, but generally, it's pretty clear cut, like when you're doing a main mission and when you're not. I think even there's like an icon distinction too. It's pretty clear when you're doing a main mission and not, but they, the icons do look a little bit different to help you make that distinction. Yeah. Um, have you played other Remedy games much? I have not. Okay, then I'm not going to ask Dustin's question. Well, I'll ask it to myself. He said, what's your favorite Remedy yeah. game? I think this, obviously. Well, now it's, the, it's, it's um, this by default. I've I've actually not played too extensively the Max Payne series, but uh, Alan Wake, well, I loved that game, uh, and I played Quantum Break all the way through. Also, there's an um, Alan Wake Easter egg in the game. But we won't spoil. We will not. Also, uh, I couldn't even if I want to, because... I didn't play Alan Wake, but yeah, Fair. but there are like little, there are like cute little things like that. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I think this one's my favorite, um, you know, technical issues aside, I think it's the most well put together of their games, like in terms of the gameplay matching the story, matching the world and all of that coming together to be like this whole concrete package that is just so fascinating and so cool and like easily one of my favorite games this year. Yeah. Um, it's so much fun to play. Uh, and I like that's so important all throughout. I never was bored. Even like mentioning enemy variety being a thing for me, never stopped wanting to play. And I'm still going through side stuff and still enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, me too. This is the first, um, you know, as you pull up the next question, I'll just add to that and say like, once again, can't comment compared to their other games, but I really, really love this game. And um, especially as someone that does guides at IGN, it's very easy to like, if you don't like a game that much, and you do a guide for it, it just like double makes everything really negative because you spend so much time with it. And it's really easy to see the flaws in something when you're with it for so long, which is true about anything, you know, 
that's why fans are often some of the most critical people because they know the most about it. But this is the first guide game I've done since I think Metro Exodus that I really, really enjoyed. Um, but like, I think this is my favorite guide game that I've ever done. It's, it's so fascinating. It's so fun. I'm not much for other than maybe sometimes doing guides. If I'm doing it completionist style, I'm not one for side stuff or collectibles usually, or playing after the credits roll. Like when the credits roll, I'm like, all right, my job's done. Like on to the next game because there's so many things coming out to play all the time, but I'm like definitely going to go back and play more of this. Um, and not just because I'm working on the guide, just because <laughs> I'm like, I just want to keep doing it. And I want to like, I want to, I want to build this guide hundred percent. I want to just dig into it. I want to know everything there is to know about this game because it's just that compelling. And I yeah. feel like that's really rare and really special. They make all the small, like everything big to small in this game yeah. is compelling in a intriguing way. Like there's something to the, every little story mm -hmm. beat that made me want to find out more about it. It's so uh, good. They're really great about it. Uh, I think that pretty much brings us to about time. Uh, again, as I mentioned, my control review is on IGN and youtube.com slash IGN. You can go watch or read that uh, for more on my thoughts. Uh, you can also, of course, if you're playing, regen it's wonderfully exhaustive guide that she's still updating yes. um, for everything that you may need to know about that game. Janet, when you're not working on the guide or appearing on Beyond, uh, where can people find you? You can find me at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at GameOnesis. And I am at JM Dornbush on Twitter and Instagram. Before we go, a quick mention, if you're listening to this the week that this comes out and you're attending PAX West, IGN has a panel there. Uh, I will be hosting a panel with myself, a few other IGN staff members, and the wonderful former IGN member Jared Petty himself of nice. the, the guides team. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, we're basically going to be pitching to you in the audience there uh, our favorite ideal dream reboot of a game or franchise. So we'll be going through like what we want, the story, the gameplay, all that stuff to be of that uh, reboot. So come hear our crazy weird pitches. Uh, I don't know what everyone else has planned, but I'm very excited for mine, and it may be PlayStation specific. Ooh. So you'll have to come check that out. Um, it is Saturday at 1.30 p.m. in the Hippogriff Theater. So if you're at PAX West, feel free to come around. Obviously, uh, after the panel, we'll be happy to say Very hi. Very Harry Potter hall. Man. Yes, I'm super happy about that. <laughs> um, we'll be happy to say hi after the panel, of course, and everything. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for listening to this Beyond Interlude. My name is Jonathan. Janet, thank you so much for joining me. And as always, Beyond. Beyond. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.